Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? I am so honored and so grateful to have Dr. Ben Edwards on the podcast with me today. Some of you might remember that I shared a video he did um, about a week ago, I guess, uh, regarding good news about what is going on with this virus and how we can be encouraged about that. Um, And it got a lot of great response from y'all. You loved it, you shared it, you commented on it. And and a few days later, it was taken down. Facebook taken down, took it down, which, you know, they tend to do when they don't agree with stuff like that. Um, I find that they do that a lot with natural health practitioners, holistic health practitioners. Um, and so it was very frustrating to, to see that because I thought the video was really encouraging and informative. And so I was frustrated. I was ticked off and I thought, man, I sure wish I could have Dr. Edwards on my podcast. That would be awesome. And then the next thought I have was like, no way he's important and he's busy and he's not going to have time. But y'all, the Lord's been working on me on that. And I just felt the Lord say, like, ask anyway, ask anyway. And so I did. I I just like, all right. I emailed his office, asked if he'd be willing. And they were very quickly and graciously responded to me with like, yes, let's do it. And so I'm so honored to have you on the podcast today. Welcome, Dr. Ben Edwards, to the Christian Health Club podcast. Thank you, Chelsea, so much. I appreciate you having me. Um Kind of my, my main goal in life now is just to educate people. So every opportunity I have to get out there and do that is a welcome one. So thank you for allowing me to be who God made me to be. Yes, sir. I just wanted, yes. I mean, really, I just wanted to like take all the information from your video and just transfer it here and just offer a platform um, because I want to do the same thing. And I told you right before we hit record that um, you've been on my radar for years. So many people have told me about you. Um, you know, people that work with you at your clinic there uh, at the Veritas Clinic in Lubbock, Texas. So this is funny because Dr. Edwards is in Lubbock, Texas. I'm in Sonora, Texas. And one of the doctors that you spoke about in the video, Dr. Bartlett, is in Midland, Texas. So I just think we need to just have a pause here and give a big shout out to West Texas. Hey, amen. (laughs) We're doing some work out here. Um, But before we get started here, I would love for you to share a little bit about your journey because I know that you were trained as a conventional uh, medical doctor and now you've moved into uh, more integrative medicine. And so can you kind of tell us how you move in that direction? 
Sure. And I'll, I'll try to keep this brief, but basically my background, I was born and raised in Texas in central Texas and Belton. Both of my grandfathers were general practitioners there. They had spent their careers in various places in rural Texas being small town country doctors, I called them, but they settled in their last years. Um, their practices were in Belton. So I grew up watching these two guys, my grandfathers take care of the whole family, um, from, from babies to nursing home. And they were just great men great pillars of the community, and I wanted to be like them. So I went to undergrad at Baylor, then went to UT Houston Medical School. That's MD Anderson and Herman Hospital in the Texas Medical Center. It's an amazing place to learn conventional medicine. And then I went to Waco for family practice residency because they train doctors to practice more broadly, to deliver babies, to do small surgeries, colonoscopies, kind of do it all, um, kind of for international missions or for small town. So that was three years there, and then we, the Lord took us to Post, um, a little town out in West Texas in Garza County. We'd looked at a lot of small towns across north, central, and western, Panhandle, and, and South Plains and all that, and every town seemed like they had a doctor, at least one doctor. They all wanted another one, but Garza County didn't have a doctor for the whole community, and we, my wife and I felt like God said to go there, so we went, spent seven years there. And so I was just living my dream, doing small town country doctrine. So, you know, doing house calls and taking care of everybody at the nursing home and the county jail and, of course, the clinic. And we did that successfully. I'll say success in quotation marks there, meaning financially. So the clinic was losing money before we got there. Um, and then we turned it around financially and we were making money and so much money. They built a brand new clinic, a million dollar clinic. Wow. And they paid that, that clinic off in one year because we were so self-sufficient as a clinic that town county tax healthcare district tax dollars, um, were just sitting in the bank basically. So they paid that clinic off in a year, a year after that, they had a million dollars sitting in the bank because we were not having to use that money because the clinic was self-sufficient and we were self-sufficient by volume. So if you can see a patient every seven minutes and see 40 patients a day, you can charge Medicare, Medicaid and insurance, um, reimbursables to the point you can make some money. So we got really good at efficiency. And the and so that system trains and teaches doctors how to be efficient, but also how to treat symptoms with medications. That's all you can do in a seven-minute visit is give somebody with high blood pressure, give them a pill to temporarily bring that blood pressure down. Or someone with high blood sugar, you can give them a pill to temporarily bring the blood sugar down with reflux, with arthritis, with any, any symptom. That's all you can do in seven minutes. So after seven years of that, I was a little disheartened because no one was getting well. I was just chronically managing stuff and they were slowly getting worse over time. I was adding more and more medications, but I didn't know what else to do. You know, that's all medical school taught me to do. I had one tool in my toolkit and that was pharmaceuticals. So after seven years, God arranged for my nurse practitioner in post um, to have a divine appointment at a bed and breakfast in Amarillo with a doc. He was at the bed and breakfast just to get away with his wife for the weekend. My nurse crack had celiac disease. He told the innkeeper that he needed a gluten-free pancake because when you have celiac, you can't tolerate gluten. So she did that for him. But then she said, you know, there's a doctor here that might could help you with that, like maybe cure you. And of course, my nurse practitioner laughed and said, you don't cure celiac and you don't cure any disease. You manage disease. But long story short, my nurse prac ended up meeting with this doctor. He taught him a bunch of stuff. He got, my nurse prac got well, all the way well. His gut healed. 
His complexion cleared up. He lost a little weight. He was sleeping better. His energy was better. His mood was better. His cycling times, he was a bicyclist and he was having his best cycling time. So he was just the picture of health all of a sudden, um, which is the beauty of when you can address a root cause. Um, you can't just, the body won't just quote unquote fix celiac. It, when you get to the very root cause of this disorder in the physical body, you know, everything tends to clear up. So when he got well, I felt morally and ethically obligated um, to offer whatever he did, which I didn't understand at the time, but whatever he did, I needed to offer that as an option. Option one, do what I learned in med school to do for celiac, eat gluten-free. Or option two, do, do what my nurse practice did, and maybe you'll get even more better. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe not. I, but I just felt obligated to at least learn it, so I called the doctor up, spent the next year, um, really one of the toughest years of my life because of cognitive dissonance. <laughs> this guy was telling me stuff and I, I just, it was so hard for me to believe how could there be alternative things out there, other ways out there, especially other things that could produce better results. Why wasn't medical school teaching me these things? How could you reverse type two diabetes and my endocrinology professor at UT Houston and in Waco not teach me that? How could you reverse the best how could the body reverse the worst case of psoriasis I've ever seen or eczema or you name the disease? I mean, the body was fixing itself, um, utilizing these quote unquote alternative practices. So over that year, I sent this doctor some patients and they all, my patients, and they all came back better. So these are the 10 sickest patients, the worst of the worst, fibromyalgia and lupus and ulcerative colitis and psoriatic arthritis and you name it, like the worst patients I had. And they've been to all the specialists. No one could help them. Um, and they all got better. And some of them, most of them all the way better, meaning symptom free and off their medications. Now we can't use the word cure because that's an FDA term that the FDA has a monopoly on. You cannot say something's a treatment or a cure for anything without it going through an FDA clinical trial to prove that. And of course, that's a very lengthy and expensive process. And oftentimes natural therapies get um, delayed. If you decide to go that route of FDA approval, I've been a part of some clinical trials for natural things like UV light therapies mm -hmm. inside the body. And it just got bogged down. I'm not saying the FDA did that on purpose, but those it takes a lot of money. And if you get bogged down in any way with paperwork or any other bureaucratic thing, then you go bankrupt, basically. And that's kind of what happened to that company. So it's tough. You can't use that word cure. So we, you know, the name of my radio show is You're the Cure. So in that's, that instance, we can. So bottom line, um, I mean, that's kind of my story. Once I saw those patients get well, that was eight years ago, and I decided to um, go that direction because it produced better results. And I went to med school to help people. And if I could get better results doing something else, then I wanted to at least have that option available for people. And I started giving options. Option one, treat your symptom with pharmaceutical. Option two, address the diet and lifestyle factors that led to this disease. Because all the research is clear, diet and lifestyle is at the root of cancer and heart disease are top two killers, not genetics. It's diet and lifestyle. It's the diet and lifestyle choices that create inflammation in the body that, and that inflammation turns on the bad genes. So yeah. genes are in the picture here, but they're not the very root. It's our diet and lifestyle. But I didn't learn diet and lifestyle in med school. I got two hours of nutrition and four years of medical school. So anyways, given those options of treat symptoms with pharmaceuticals or deal with root causes, enough people chose option two. The results spoke for themselves. The body cured itself in these patients. The word spread. 
And so the practice grew, moved out of post to Lubbock and opened a clinic here. And now we have one in Abilene and San Angelo also with the goal of helping people get well and not needing us anymore and go away and go be who God made you to be and don't need a doctor, which is the exact opposite of what I did in Garza County Health Clinic. Every month, my financial team would show me our numbers. Man, you hit record numbers on number of visits, number of procedures, dollars collected. It was all about volume. Get our numbers up. And I'm now I'm trying to get our numbers down. I, yeah, I bet. <laughs> I want to shut down Veritas Medical. Everyone's healthy and doesn't need a doctor. That's how it should be. It's how God intended it. Oh, that's incredible. I, I took this off your website, which I loved. And it, you said... It was time for me to move on to what the Lord designed me to be, a physician who believes that our body is designed perfectly and knows how to heal itself if given the opportunity. I've said that exact thing I don't know how many times. You said, now I see that we all we have to do is to find out what our bodies are missing that the Lord intended them to have and what harmful things we're being exposed to that shouldn't be there. Replace what's missing, remove what is harmful, that's it. Then sit back and watch the miracle cure that is waiting inside of you to manifest. Yes. So awesome. Exactly. Just nailed it. Okay, but I, I don't want to get too off the rocker here on this question I'm about to ask you, but I have to ask you this. I know you can't say cure, but are you saying your nurse practitioner who was diagnosed with celiac can eat wheat now? Yes, that's what I'm saying. And when he came to tell me that three months later, after he allowed his body to fix itself and he gave his body what it needed and avoided what it didn't need, he came and told me that. And I said, no way, you're crazy. That's impossible. And he was kind of, you know, upset with me that I wouldn't believe him. So he marched right back to the break room because a, a drug rep had brought, this is at the old clinic and post, a drug rep had bought a, a burrito, breakfast burrito. So we ate it, which normally, of course, he wouldn't eat the tortilla. And then that day at lunch, he ran over to Holly's Burger Joint in Post, Texas, got a Holly's Burger, ate the bun. And then that afternoon, Slayton Bakery cookies, thumbprint cookies from the famous Slayton Bakery, a drug rep brought those. He, he ate them. So three exposures to wheat all in one day. If he'd even sniffed a whiff of one of those products um, prior, I, I, because I witnessed it, he would have been in the bathroom you know, sick, diarrhea, bloody diarrhea, out of work for a day or two because he'd be so sick. And he wasn't. He was totally fine. Now, he's not going to eat like that every day, obviously. But he was proving to me that his system was so um, bolstered. It was so, um, he had all the nutrients he needed. His immune system was more in line and functioning normally instead of out of balance, which these autoimmune diseases are. It's just an out of balanced immune system. He could handle it that day. Now, if he were to eat like that all the time, and continue to stress out and not give his body what it needed and avoided what it doesn't over time. Of course, the disease, quote unquote, disease of celiac would come back. So it, but the point is <laughs> get to the very root and address that root, but you're always going to have that genetic predisposition to whatever, but you're not a victim of your genes. Just because your whole family's had Alzheimer's doesn't mean you're committed to going to have that diagnosis. Don't do the things in your diet and lifestyle that, that pull the trigger of the genetics. It's like your genes load the gun, but then it's your diet and lifestyle that pulls the trigger. And so yep. same with my nurse Prack. If he, his genes have loaded the gun for celiac, but if he goes back to the standard American stress and sugar and processed wheat and nutrient depleted food and sedentary lifestyle, then, then yeah, he'll be pulling that trigger all day long and he'll have celiac symptoms again. Okay, that just kind of blew my mind and is significant, and we might have to talk about that another day because I that I don't I haven't heard 
I really have not heard anybody say that, that they've overcome celiac disease where they could do that. So that's a first for me and incredibly encouraging and exciting. Um, but I, I have to, I, I just, I'm gonna have to move my mind somewhere back to what we're going to talk about because, uh, that is incredible. Okay. Okay. What I want to do is kind of just hit the, all the points that you discussed in the video that was taken down. Um, and so that's what I thought we'd do. Just kind of go through it. I took some notes. Um, I was able to get my hands on a, a copy of it and, um, get to go through it again. So let's start with, um, the idea of herd immunity. Mm -hmm. What is that? Um, okay. And then you discussed herd immunity threshold. Fill us in on what all that means and how it, what it means for us. Okay. So basically think of it as, so I was driving to give a talk this weekend and we drove through Spur, Texas, and there was a little grass fire outside of Spur. And so imagine these grass fires or, or wildfires and the firemen will go out if it's a big fire, you know, what they'll do is burn a path or bulldoze a path um, where there's no more fuel. That fire just burns itself out because there's no more fuel for it to, to burn on. Um, same thing with herd immunity. If these viruses are infecting people, the host um, and the host defenses are adequate enough to kill that virus, then that virus will jump to the next host and the next host. But basically, if you can get enough host enough people to get exposed to this virus and deal with it and kill it, then there's no more host for it to jump into. And it burns itself out basically, if that makes sense. So herd immunity is when you reach this threshold in your community of enough people that have seen this virus and their immune systems tackled it and dealt with it. Now they have a permanent immunity to have antibodies. The virus has nowhere else to jump to and it burns itself out. And so what the literature is showing clearly Clearly, and that's the point of the video. When you look at Italy and you look at Sweden and you look at Great Britain, you look at New York City, anywhere you look, there's this pretty um, identical curve. And it's a 70 day. This is Dr. Ben Israel out of uh, Israel, Tel Aviv University showed this. It's about a 70 day cycle. This germ comes into a community. It infects um, people at a certain rate. And after and then it hits a peak. Seems to be about seven or eight weeks. And then it's the slope starts to go down. And then at 70 days, roughly, it's out of the community. Now, that's assuming, um, you know, you're allowing your community to get exposed. Um, so when you hit this threshold, it turns out it's about 10 to 15 percent of a community needs to get infected with this. And it starts to burn itself out because we now know and it's another part of the video, 81 percent depending on what study you look at, 60% to 81% of people in a community already, already have immunity to COVID-19. They can mount an immune response to COVID-19 before COVID-19 even shows up in your community. There's no antibodies. They haven't seen it yet. And it's because T cells, which are another part of your immune system, have memory. And these T cells will remember um, the old coronaviruses that you've had all throughout your life, you've ex been exposed to lots of coronaviruses because it's a common cold, oftentimes is a coronavirus. And it turns out there's enough, um, the, the COVID-19 and the common cold virus have some similar characteristics. And so your T cells recognize it. There's some cross reactivity. 
So your T cells that are used to fat, fighting the common cold, they go over and fight COVID-19 as soon as they see it. So when you combine 81% of your community is already can mount an immune response, then you just need about 10 to 15% more of your community to get infected and exposed and infected and boom, you're at herd immunity threshold. And so um, that's what those, those studies were showing clearly. And this isn't me just saying this. I'm looking at these really smart guys, way smarter than me on, on epidemiology and stat, statisticians out of Stanford, Dr. Ioannidis. Um, you know, these are really brilliant guys. It's what they, their expertise is in epidemiology and looking at these viruses and looking at infection disease rates and herd immunity thresholds and um, mortality rates, fatality rates. So that science is out there, it's clear, but it's just not being spoken of in the media, unfortunately. Yeah, that fire analogy makes sense, really makes sense to me. My husband is a prescribed burn specialist. And so you are essentially kind of fighting fire with fire. Um, but what you're saying is, is that, and I heard you say this on the video, like more people are being exposed and that's good news because that means that we're going to get closer to this threshold. Is that what you're saying? Correct. We'll get the, the, the sooner we can um, kind of hit this th threshold, then we will see things start falling down. But so you're saying that it, you didn't say this, but I'm asking is quarantine has not been helping us reach that threshold and it's been drawing this out. Is that an accurate statement? I think that's a very accurate theory or hypothesis. And based off the science that we can now go back and look at countries and counties and states who have done strict quarantines versus not, the curve doesn't change. That's clear in the data. So it would seem to me, and it's common sense wise, and I always use that common sense threshold as number one, and obviously yes. let the Holy Spirit guide you and use man wisdom last. <laughs> and that's probably blasphemous to scientists that might be listening or doctors, but <laughs> We've, we've been wrong so many times historically look back and how many times has man been wrong? Even a graduating commencement ceremony at Harvard Medical School, the dean of Harvard said, hey, guys, good luck out there. You just went through medical school. And but half of what we taught you is wrong. The problem is we don't know which half. So good oh, luck. <laughs> and so that's kind of the same deal with this quarantine. It's common sense that you quarantine the risk, the ones at high risk. If you're old and you have diabetes and you're obese and you're on five medications, you're chronically diseased because you haven't stewarded your terrain, your internal terrain, you're at high risk quarantine yourself. But for, but for those between age zero to 45 years old, mortality rate is practically zero. This virus hardly touches kids at all. These kids and young adults and young people and people under 50 years old, basically, especially if you don't have any chronic condition, it's a negligible, it's like a cold, it's like a flu. Um, so if you're low risk and you're young and you have a good immune system, what the stats and the numbers are clearly showing with COVID-19 is, you're the ones that are gonna protect the rest. So yeah, if you're young and healthy, be out, live your life, do your thing. 81% of us already have immunity. The other 10% can get infected if they're healthy and young and don't have any pre-existing conditions. They're gonna just blow right through it and build antibodies. And now all of a sudden you're, you've coded you've protected your nursing home in your community because your virus load, you hit your herd immunity threshold by having young, healthy people become infected. So yeah, it seems to make sense to let us live our life. Now that we know the data, we know how the virus spreads. We know it's uh, uh, fatality rate is very, very low 0.1% or lower. 
Um, so we know this stuff now. So we should be apologizing and say, I'm sorry. We planned for worst case scenario. We got it wrong. The data is clear now. We were wrong. So let's get back to living is, I think, one proposed option that we need to seriously look very hard at. And let's come up with some very good reasons not to do that. Um, let the young, healthy people out and, and quarantine the old and sick and the ones with pre-existing conditions. And I know young people are dying. I know right now in the Rio Grande Valley even, but look at them. I, I haven't seen the stats on any anyone under 50-year-old that has died down in the Rio Grande Valley, but historically and worldwide, they've already done this. It's obesity, type 2 diabetes, hypertension, these pre-existing conditions that make you more susceptible and unfortunately, um, there's probably a, a fair number of that population in, in the Rio Grande Valley. I, don't, again, haven't looked at the stats yet, so I'm just assuming. So I'm not trying to minimize death and dying and sickness. People die from flu and pneumonia every single year, and I know they're dying from COVID-19 too. So I'm not saying it's not happening, but I'm saying let's look at the actual numbers and the data and what's the, per the actual fatality rate and what's a smart way to address this. I thought it was really interesting that in the video you shared um, the the number of people total who died. I think it was two thousand in two thousand and seventeen. You looked at that number and it was close to three million people, uh, a little under that, that died in two thousand seventeen. And then you checked where we are or where we were, kind of you know mid July ish, to see what that death rate is, you know, at this point, and that we're basically uh on track you know as far as death goes which this, that sounds this sounds terrible but you know uh it, meaning that there hadn't been you know this exorbitant amount of people that extra that have died we're, we're pretty much on the same trajectory thus far that could change but thus far exactly yeah. but the point you made is is that um you know every year people you know, over a half a million people die from heart disease, over a half a million people die from cancer. And as you said earlier, that, you know, 95% of that is diet and lifestyle and not genetics. Um, yeah. And that it's the same thing that are making people susceptible to dying of heart disease and cancer that are making them susceptible to dying from COVID. Um, so kind of talk about that host defense. Cause I think like what, what we're saying here and what host defense means is like, think about your body as the host. Are you, are you a hospitable place for viruses and illness to be? Are you making that, uh, making that a place for them, you know, a cozy place for them to set up shop or are you making your body as the host, um, a little bit more, uh, a little more hostile <laughs> to, yep. to these, uh, these viruses and, and anything that, that comes our way. Just kind of, can you expound on that and explain it? Yeah. So what you're driving at here is terrain theory versus germ theory. And I think everyone's familiar with germ theory and even gene theory. You could throw right in with germ theory. So the thought that the germs uh, rule the day and that they, they're the most powerful things. And it's not true. Most people don't realize 95% of people that had a detectable polio or um, exposed to polio, never had a symptom. Um, there's people living with HIV for 20, 30, 40 years. I mean, how do how does 80% of people that get COVID have zero symptoms? It's because of the terrain. They've got good terrain. So what I'm talking about is if you've got cockroaches in your kitchen, 
you go kill cockroaches all day long. That's germ theory. Or you can take your trash out. <laughs> my my 13-year-old daughter loves to bake, and she makes amazing stuff, but she leaves a mess in the kitchen. <laughs> and I told her, cockroaches and rats are going to start coming every night. Um, and we don't want to just sit out rat traps or cockroach traps. We want to keep your kitchen clean. It's just like your fish tank. You could scrub green algae off your glass fish tank wall every single morning. Or you can get your pH and your oxygen content and your temperature in your tank water right and the algae stays away all by itself so quit chasing the germs and chasing the algae and chasing the cockroaches and throw i'll throw genes in there work on the terrain work on the susceptibility so don't be the petri dish that says come on covid and every other germ out there come live in me i'm a perfect environment for you so what makes what makes a good petri dish for covid19 and for tuberculosis and for uh, staph and strep and E. coli and salmonella and shigella and you name all the germs. What makes a good petri dish for that? Turns out is the exact same factors that make a prime opportunity for cancer cells to grow and for coronary arteries to start to get blocked up and for amyloid beta plaque to set up shop in your brain and get Alzheimer's and just go right down the list. They're the same factors. The exact same factors make up your host defenses to fight germs and that impact your ability to um, avoid chronic disease. So in a nutshell, I'll boil that down. And I mean, this could be a multi-hour discussion on what, what are the factors. But nutrition, hydration, movement, think oxygenation there, and peace, not being stressed out. It's these very, very basic, basic things. You need to breathe deeply, nasal breathing in particular. And you need to get up every hour out of your seat to move, to breathe deeper, to oxygenate. And I mean, that's that simple. You need sunlight. You need to go outside every hour for five or 10 minutes or at least morning and afternoon for 10 minutes because you need that sunlight hitting your skin, not only to make vitamin D, but to structure the water inside your cells, which that's a whole different lecture about structured water. It's these basic things. You need food that nourishes your cells, your immune system cells. I'll talk about the T cells gobbling up COVID-19 because it recognizes it so quickly. Well, those T cells need nutrients to function and they don't need to be full of toxicity. And unfortunately, processed food has both. It lacks nutrition and has toxicity. So processed refined flour, processed sugar, and the seed oils, canola, soybean, corn oil, cottonseed oil, Sunflower and safflower oil, grapeseed oil. These are uh, seed oils that are highly inflammable and oxidizable. They don't need to be in our body. So if you're full of nutrient-depleted food that's pro-inflammatory, you might as well set up a, a welcome mat outside and say, come on in, COVID. And unfortunately, doctors, public health officials, nightly newscasts, newspapers are not teaching and explaining this well. And in fact, they're doing the opposite. American Heart Association puts their stamp of approval, heart healthy oils, canola, and all these seed oils. And they're absolutely pro-inflammatory. So I, know. I it's, agree. it's the basics. And I know it sounds too simple. And they've, they hoodwinked us with all this genetic and germ theory. And we've got to wait for the ivory tower guys at Hopkins and Harvard and Mayo to come up with some silver bullet, magic bullet, easy button answer. Give me a pill to fix this and give me a shot to fix this. And that's not it. That's pharmacopoeia, as the Bible would call it. It's not stewarding your health. That is man wisdom at its finest. And it doesn't produce good results. 
And that's what everyone needs to know. Since we went into man wisdom medicine in the 1920s and industrial ag and farming technique really kicked in and we started processing food and not stewarding our soil, all this started happening over the next 80 years. Look at our health. We've gone from healthiest country in the world to sickest. We're in last place. Every health category, America comes in dead last. We die the youngest of, of adults. We have the shortest life expectancy. Infant mortality is the highest. More of our babies die than any other country, and I'm talking industrialized countries. Maternal mortality during childbirth, we're, we win the race on that. Number of adults with a chronic disease, we're, we're number one. Number of kids with a chronic disease, 54% of kids today have chronic disease. You know when the first recorded heart attack was in America? 1912, there was one. Today, there's over 630,000. That's the number one killer. It's heart attacks, heart disease. And we had one in 1912. It's not the genes. It's not the germ. It's the terrain. It's a lack of stewardship of our health. And so we've got to get back to these basics, but a doctor can't do this for you. A doctor can't cure you and a pill can't cure you. It can only manage symptoms. But management of chronic disease produces poor outcomes and you go bankrupt doing it, by the way. And the most devastating thing of all is you're so distracted by physical and, and mental ailments from this lack of stewardship. You can't go be who God made you to be because you're too fatigued, too brain fogged, too much in pain or too worried about keeping your health insurance with your current job. You can't go be released to be who God made you to be. And that's the number one most devastating thing from my, in my opinion. I agree. I, people are really not going to believe like that. Like we have that. never talked or met because like you're saying so many things that I tell people here, which is so encouraging to me. It, it encourages me uh that this message is so clear, like, you know, anything that that is keeping you from everything God made you to be, you know, or making you think more like if you're if your brain space is occupied more by your illness, your disease and in, in your fear and your stress, um, you are giving that more real estate than you're giving the Lord and your blessings. And, and like you said, everything God made you to be. Um, I heard you say on a, one of your podcasts, you quoted Albert Einstein, I think it was, and you said something, I think the quote is, if the if the solution is simple, it's from God or something like that. Do you know what, what I'm talking about? Yeah, if the solution is simple, uh, God must be there. And yeah. that's, that's right? the beauty, the beauty of it. God designed, I mean, creation, it's amazing. I mean, we have peacocks and chickens and watch a chicken come out of an egg. I mean, it's incredible and and watch a baby goat get birthed and it knows right away to look for that nipple on its the mom's utterance starts sucking how does he know that i mean it's amazing just just open your eyes and look around them but then you look in the human body it's unfathomable how amazing it is so it's super complex complex i mean the body the physiology amazingly complex but the stewardship of it is amazingly simple and that's that's a problem, I think, because people cannot get it around their mind that it could be this simple and that all these diseases could be from the same thing. And that took me, like I said, a year to wrestle with this guy, this doctor that was teaching me these things. I just couldn't believe it. How could this be? But because of my background in uh, believing that the Bible's the truth and that there is good and evil, there's a kingdom of light and the kingdom of dark, there's deception, the father of all lies, the great deceiver. Then it became more clear to me to see, oh, yeah, these systems of the world, and we know who the, the ruler of this world is, systems of the world, healthcare system, obviously, that I'm in, but even education system, finance system, the, the government, any, the, all of it, 
it's off. It is off. And that deception has led us so far down this path now that we don't even recognize, we can't even see or fathom that there could be another way and another more beneficial way. And it's just hard for people to think, how could evil really be? How could these people not? I mean, why wouldn't the nightly news, NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, CNN, MS, whoever, how could they not be interviewing every UV light expert out there. I just read an article yesterday how sunlight, the UV light can kill COVID. But I mean, there's therapies being used internationally of UV light. Why why won't we go interview every one of those scientists who have published data? Ozone. I'm talking with doctors in Italy and Spain and China. Published data. That should be on the podium at the press conference every day. Why is it not? Well, I mean, you can drive yourself nuts going down that road of why aren't these natural therapies so I try not to let myself get too caught up in all that, but just understand there's deception in the world. All of us are deceived in some area of our life. Only Jesus wasn't. No, he was the one that wasn't. But the rest of us have been deceived in some more than others, and the people in power have been, been deceived too. And so let's just always get back to seeking God's original intent, seeking out the truth, um, and let that truth guide you and don't put all your trust, hope, and faith in man. Even if the man has a lot of initials behind his name and titles and makes a lot of money or is in a position of power, I'm not saying ignore authority or don't be under authority, but you need to be careful about who you submit yourself to from a standpoint of in the spiritual realm. Your, our battle's not flesh and blood, it's principalities, and everyone submitted themselves to the principality and the spirit of fear. And it says clearly in scripture, we, we shouldn't do that. So Amen. that's how I personally get through this is just understanding there's, there's the truth and there's lies, there's deception. And let's, we each one of us individually, personally in our life have to seek out the truth and as best we can. Agreed. And use the, the Lord as our compass. I mean, that's one reason I became a nutritionist, but then even with that, just, you know, becoming what I call myself, the Christian nutritionist is to use the Lord as our compass. And I try to remind people that, you know, everything we need was pretty much laid out in Genesis. And I call, I call it the Genesis prescription. You know, there's, there's, we need light. We need, you know, we need sun, we need water, we need, um, interaction in nature, you know, the earth grounding. Um, we need, we have plants for food, we have animals for food, um, and we need fellowship, you know, and those are all things that are presented to us in creation, we we are part of creation, and we are meant to operate in this, you know, symbiotic relationship. And um, I think it is shocking to people that it can be so simple. But you know, the the needs of our body will never change ever. That's what I, I try to remind people. It will always need movement and water and sunshine and good food, real food, the way God made it. And um, and that is just that's truth. That is truth, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> um, before a couple more things I want to cover, I um, before I let you go, I wanted to get in a little bit about mitochondria. That's been coming up more and more on my podcast here with people introducing this concept of mitochondria. And if you could, um, I liked your description. I don't know if it was in the video or if in another podcast I heard you talk about it. Kind of like being a, it's our energy center basically, but how almost like a carburetor and how you know that analogy. Can you just tell us more about mitochondria and its role in all of this? Sure. Um, and you're right. Mitochondria is coming more and more to the forefront in medicine. I was at a conference last fall, uh, mitochondrial 
conference and it was all about the mitochondria. So it's cool that the science is really starting to prove this thing out. So there's books written now on how cancer is a mitochondrial disease and heart disease is a mitochondrial disease and Alzheimer's is a mitochondrial disease and all these autoimmune diseases, you name it, you can all link it back to the mitochondria. So what's the mitochondria? It's a little tiny organelle inside your cells. So, and there's usually hundreds or sometimes thousands per cell and they are carburetors. Mitochondria make your energy. So just like the carburetor in your vehicle, if you're not mechanical and I'm not really, but this is pretty simple to understand for you to make energy for your car, for your tires to turn and roll you down the road, there's got to be an energy production going on. So you put fuel in that goes into your carburetor along with air. You know, you got to change that air filter so you can get good air going through and then spark plug. You got to have a spark. When you put those three things together, fuel plus oxygen plus spark plug, you get combustion that produces energy. It also produces exhaust coming out of your tailpipe. So same thing in your cell. Fuel can be either fat, your mitochondria, your carburetor can burn fat for fuel or it can burn glucose. That's sugar or from carbohydrates. So those are your two main sources. Carbs or fat, and that's the fuel. And then the oxygen, obviously, from what you breathe. Your spark plug is basically minerals, which were demineralized because the way the soil's been mismanaged and because of the low salt uh, mantra. But you put those three together in the mitochondria and poof, you make ATP and ATP is energy, but you also make free radicals. That's the exhaust. That's the byproduct. But God gave us a system to deal with our exhaust. It's kind of like a real clean filtration system. So the smoke coming out your tailpipe's not not too bad. And this cleaning system in the body is called the antioxidant enzymes. And they will clean up all the bad stuff, all the free radicals. So the free radicals don't go damage your cell. If you've got a lot of exhaust being produced in your cell, it will go turn on your your BRCA gene for breast cancer or your prostate cancer gene or your Alzheimer's gene or whatever, all those genes that play a part. It's because of that exhaust, that dirty exhaust. So that in a nutshell is what people are looking at now where all this disease is coming from. Um, When they say inflammation, people may have heard of that too. Heart disease is an inflammatory disease. Alzheimer's is inflammation. Even depression is inflammation. Heart attacks are really inflammation. Cancer is inflammation. Everything's inflammation. Well, what's that? It's the same thing. You're making too much exhaust and you can't clear the exhaust and you're making too little energy. So all these diet lifestyle factors we talk about with sunlight and clean hydration and good nutrition, plenty of minerals, sea salt, um, all these things, what that does, it helps keep your carburetor tuned up. That's it in a nutshell. And it helps your exhaust um, cleanup system. Those antioxidant enzymes run off minerals, copper and magnesium in particular. Um, the energy that when we produce that energy, if you'll eat fat for fuel, you can make 140 miles a gallon versus sugar burned for fuel only makes about 32 miles a gallon. Mm. So we need to eat some fat sometimes. I'm not saying you can't ever eat carb, but we don't need to be a, a refined processed carboholic like the standard American. So it's all about keeping the mitochondria tuned up and performing well, being a very well-tuned engine that's very efficient, producing very little exhaust, clean exhaust, and your exhaust cleaning system is supported. So in a nutshell, that's that's what this all this boils down to. So if you have poorly functioning mitochondria, you are at risk for all these chronic diseases that kill Americans, and you are at risk for COVID-19 and other germs. Your body will not function optimally 
if you have poor functioning mitochondria and it's the things we've been talking about that will make your mitochondria function better. You're making yourself a susceptible host if you're not doing what your body needs. You mentioned several books in the video, um, and I got most of them down except for the heart disease one. But it's and I'm going to link to all of this in the show notes, everybody, so you can find them. But uh, cancer is a metabolic disease. That's one book. The Alzheimer antidote: How to end the autism epidemic. And there was one more you mentioned about heart disease. I don't know if you remember what that is offhand, but yes, Dr. Tom Cowan, Human Heart. Cosmic Heart is the name of his book. Okay, I love Dr. Cowan. Um, Human Heart, Cosmic Heart. Okay, I will link to all these in the show notes. But basically, you were you were sharing these books as um, kind of a foundation of this this idea that mitochondria is at the root of all of this um, this chronic illness and disease. Yeah. Um, and I also saw you had a book laying there, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration, and I. Love that book. That's a bit kind of the basis of how I was trained as a nutritional therapist in the work of Dr. Weston A. Price. And so um, that's always a good one, too, for people to look at. Yeah, um, I highly, highly recommend that one. Yeah. So um, when you were talking about ways to boost mitochondria in your video, I just wanted to high five you because uh, it's I'm right there with you. You mentioned uh, well, you, you mentioned a, a smaller eating window, which is, you know, we know is time restricted eating. But on the flip side of that is fasting. Right. right. Um, avoiding seed oils, um, which you said are pro-inflammatory and can gunk up your carburetor um, and lowering carbs. Those are the top three, you know, things that you mentioned. There are lots more, all of these inputs we need, but that, you know, those are, those can change things really quickly if people will do that. Wouldn't yeah. you agree? Yes, totally. And don't forget the minerals and sea salt is just something I consume regularly. I try to get two or three teaspoons a day minimum because we're demineralizing our food. Even if you're eating clean, organic food, the soil it came out of didn't have the minerals. So our food is demineralized. Like from 1950s to the late 1990s, they've done studies comparing, you know, for example, it'd take 26 apples today to equal what was in one apple in the 1950s. Same with cabbage, carrots, and everything else and minerals in particular. So I really try to push that sea salt. Okay, good to know. Um, okay, I kind of want to just kind of bring it down here to the end, and this is how you wind it down your video, um, talking about the best news of all, the good news. Um, and really you introduce that as as is promoting the importance of peace in, in your life um, because being in fear is such a drag to every system in the body. And so would you speak to that more, please? Yes. So God did not design our cells, our carburetor, our mitochondria to, to function in fight or flight mode for very long. I, th I think they're not supposed to be in it at all, actually. And in the garden before the fall, they sure weren't. Um, but so think about, you know, back 200, 300 years ago, if you're just out on the farm, you know, growing your crops and chopping firewood and just living life, raising your family, occasionally maybe a, a mountain lion would come across your path and you'd have to flip into fight or flight mode so you could kill the mountain lion or run away from them. But that was a temporary thing, short lived. Um, and the, the fear was over, the, the stressor was done, so you could go back into normal mode. So the body works in one of two modes from a nervous system standpoint. Sympathetic, that's your stress, fight or flight mode, or parasympathetic, that's your peaceful mode. 
and we're just not supposed to be in fight or flight very long. Our cells will not function optimally if they're in chronic fight or flight sympathetic mode all day, every day, or even most you know, most days of the week or really any amount of time. You, it won't function. Even if you're eating well, eating perfect, exercising every day, you cannot be in chronic fight or flight. So what's the answer there? Well, you could do some stress relief techniques. You could close your eyes and think of your happy place and do some deep breathing exercises. And I'm not like making fun of that. You can do that. And that will temporarily drop your, your heart rate and your stress hormones down. Um, you can go, you know, go on a walk, uh, do crochet, read a book, pray, sing, whatever to bring your stress hormones down. That's stress management. Well, that's just like chronic disease management. I mean, it's okay temporarily, but long term, you're still going to be at risk because you're not getting to the root. So Dr. Bruce Lipton did in his book is called Biology of Belief, and he did some experiments on people. He put them into a stressful situation. So the external stressors, the environmental stressors were the exact same. And some of these people flipped into sympathetic fight or flight mode and stayed in it all day long. Other people flipped into sympathetic fight or flight, but in five minutes they flipped back out of it into peaceful rest and digest, um, peaceful mode. And so he concluded from those experiments, and he did a number of these, that it's not just our external circumstances. So it's not just the crazy, you know, stuff on the news that's stressing you out or the, you know, your looming financial crisis or your spouse yelled at you or your boss yelled at you or whatever thing, whatever it is in your environment that you think is stressing you out. It's not that at the very root. It's your interpretation of that. That's what Bruce Lipton basically proved, which scripture obviously talks about. But he proved it scientifically that it's your belief system you have about yourself that really dictates if you're going to flip into fight or flight or not. And so what are your beliefs rooted in? The truth or not the truth? So really this gets into that personal spiritual journey. Um, and it's not just about church and you know religion. It's about your personal beliefs you know do you, is there really a god is he a loving god is he a personal god does he know you did he put a call on your life to give you giftings to support that calling are you walking in that calling are you trusting him for provision and trusting him for protection and trusting him that, that his plans are greater than your plans and his ways are better than our ways and he built this body and designed it perfectly better than man could ever mimic or, or alter or improve upon. You know, where's your hope and trust and faith in? And it's a wrestling match. All of us have to go through it. And, you know, it's easy to say I trust. And it's easy to say I believe these things. And, you know, and for me personally, growing up in church, it was all about the gospel of salvation. Hey, Jesus came to be your savior and save you from your sins. And if you believe in him, you go to heaven. And so I raised my hand and said, I do and got baptized and I was saved. And then I, I was raised in a Baptist church and it's all about go knock on, on doors and get 20 more people saved. And it was this salvation message, which is true. I'm not saying it's not true, but the gospel that Jesus came to preach and Paul was preaching is called the gospel of the kingdom. And in the kingdom, there's a king, there's a sovereign Lord and people, in my experience, a lot of my patients forget Jesus is your savior and your Lord, Lord and savior. And we don't have an idea of what lordship is, kingship, sovereignty, that God is sovereign. He's in control of this whole thing and all things work for the good of those who love him. So these things that you think are so bad in your life, that are stressing you out and flipping you into fight or flight, they're not. 
unless if the Bible's true anyways, they're not. They're not bad. Now, yes, in your flesh and in your point of view, your worldly goggles that you're looking through, it might look bad, but put on God's goggles, the truth, and see it from his perspective and ask him, okay, God, this bankruptcy looks really bad to me, but obviously it's working for my good. So show me what is it that you're trying to work into my character, my nature, or what's in me that you're trying to get out of me, character and nature wise. What lies have I bought over the years that you're trying to expose in my life and my heart so that I can see, act, think differently? Because if I've think different and have the truth in me, I will make different decisions in my life. My day-to-day interaction with my wife, my kids, my employees, my patients, my just my people will be different if I have the goggles of truth on. And the kingdom of God is not food or drink. I think I find that funny. That's what we talk about all the time, food and drink. Right, right. It's not about food and drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy. So I think righteousness, the way I look at that is right alignment, right standing. We are lined up with the truth. How does God see to this circumstance today that I'm about to think is going to stress me out? But no, God sees it differently. How does he see it? I want to rightly align with that, the truth. And then peace and joy will attend me automatically. So it's a it's a maturing process I had to go through, and I think we all have to go through it. Yes, we get born again and saved, but that's like step one. Now we got to start walking it out, and we've got to mature to accurately represent our Heavenly Father, we have to mature so the enemy can't lie to us and we buy the lie like spirit of fear. We're just so easily swayed and knocked to and fro by these thoughts that aren't the truth. So true peace boils down to your personal walk with the truth. Amen. We got we got to seek the, get off the milk and seek the meat. There you go. For sure. Amen. Yeah, I think that's funny. You're talking about your goggles. I always say, Put on your God goals, G-O-D-G-G-L-E-S, your yeah. God goals for good yeah. view. Amen. That was fantastic. Okay, before you go, I, I always ask my guests two quick questions, the anchor questions. Number one, what is your anchor meal? It's like your go-to healthy meal. You you eat it a lot. You always have the ingredients, that kind of thing. Beef. Amen. My husband's a grass-fed cattle rancher, so yes, yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> It's our go-to because it's so readily available. We live in West Texas. We should all, be, I think, be grass farmers out here growing beef. And my father-in-law always is so great to keep us stocked in our freezer. We just I picked one up, a half a beef last week. So it's so readily available. We have beef, and, and that is so available. It's our go-to. Um, and so I think, I don't know if that's the that's no, that's, that, that is, want, sums it up perfectly it. for me. I cannot agree with you more. <laughs> um, my husband delivers, he's actually gone right now. He's delivering grass fed beef to Austin. He, he delivers it all over the state. That's okay. Awesome. The other anchor question is, um, what is, what is your anchor verse right now? Just, there are so many, but is there one that just comes to mind that's keeping you grounded and anchored in the Lord and your kind of your go-to right now? There's two. Seek ye first the kingdom, then all these things will be given unto you. If we can focus on the kingdom and seeking that, then all these other things, whether you're looking for health, you're looking for provision for your finances, you're looking for whatever, and we don't do it with the motivation of, oh, cure me of this cancer. No, our motivation is seek the kingdom. My wife and I couldn't get pregnant way in 2007. We had one kid. We got off birth control, had our first kid, no problem. And then two years down the road, got off birth control to have our second kid, couldn't do it. Spent I don't know how much money on infertility treatments over two years. And then that verse came 
I, I read that verse, and of course I'd read it probably a thousand times, but it jumped off the page, and I told my wife, we need to quit focusing on having more kids or anything else in our life. Truly, in our heart, we have to give that up and get in alignment with seeking the kingdom. So that's a huge one All you know, since that moment on, but still today especially, I'm always always thinking on that verse and second one is the enemy came to steal kill and destroy but i came to give life and give it more abundantly so the truth jesus who is the way and the truth align up with that and your life will be more abundant and i'm not saying just so you'll be rich of course not i mean that's god will provide what you need in the moment you need it but just that true, rich, abundant life from a spiritual standpoint. And the enemy won't be able to just knock you to and fro because he's trying. He's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. So those are probably my two go-tos right now. Fantastic. Dr. Ben, where can everybody find you, um, find more about you, your clinic uh, information? VeritasMedical.com is our clinic website. And there's probably plenty on there there's testimonials there's how to become a patient we're booking out for a few months though and so we just started veritaswellness.health and veritas wellness is going to be a non-medical entity it's going to be basically wellness navigators is what we call them but like health coaches and it's just going to be another system to support and educate people Um, and i think most patients that come to veritas medical don't really need medical i'm not I mean, some do, but most really just need the diet and lifestyle. So we're going to try to really um, put my money where my mouth is as far as let's shut down Veritas Medical. And I think if VeritasWellness.Health can teach and support enough, um, then people won't need a doctor. So those are probably the two places. Of course, we're on Facebook, Veritas Medical. On YouTube is Veritas Wellness. Fantastic. That sounds fantastic. I know. I I'm always like, hey, everybody, first line of defense, let's get your nutrition right. And, you know, um, just just approach health from that full spirit, mind, body approach and um, overcome a lot. We start every medical patient right there on the four pillars. I mean, they're coming to medical, but we tell them nutrition, hydration, movement, peace. And and Cleveland Clinic even did this. Not And they didn't have the full spiritual component. But 66% of the people on the waiting list to go to Cleveland Clinic Functional Medicine Department, they went into the health coaching and learned about nutrition and the basics. 66% of them went home well, never even saw the doctor. So it is true. What you're saying is absolutely true. It is. Yes, sir. Well, I, um, like I said, honored to finally meet you, uh, you know, this way. I hope I get to meet you in person sometime. Um, I so appreciate the work you're doing and you know being outspoken about it and bold and um, we really appreciate that here and i know my listeners do and so i thank you for your time well thank you very much chelsea i really appreciate the opportunity to speak um, and educate and help support and renew people's minds my people die from lack of knowledge so that's what we're Mm. here to do bring bring knowledge bring the truth and help set people free amen to that All right, my friends, thank you for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week, and I will talk to you soon. Hi, everyone.
one, remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.